This is Notable Nerds, a pro nerd report podcast where we introduce you to really cool nerds who are doing really cool things. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my goal is to highlight nerdy, talented people who are killing it in the world. In each episode, we will hear their origin story, and they will impart a bit of advice and wisdom to others who might be looking to get in their industry or just learn something new. Without further ado, thank you for joining us, and now let's meet today's Notable Nerd. Hey, it's your boy Sebastian. Just wanted to give you a heads up that this episode of Notable Nerds was recorded before I changed the podcast name from The Pro Nerd Report to Notable Nerds. Notable Nerds is a podcast under the Pro Nerd Report brand. Just wanted to let you know so you didn't think you were listening to the wrong show. That said, thank you and enjoy. Topic number one. So, Pro Nerd Nation, like I said in the intro, we have a very special guest with us today. He is a podcast producer. He is a content creator. He is a tech and toy reviewer. And he's also an extremely knowledgeable nerd. This is Richard Butler. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thanks. Thanks for having me and allowing me the opportunity to come here and geek out with you and talk some podcasting and talk some nerd stuff and share some stories with your audience. So, Richard, for those who might not know you, can you give us a little background of yourself? How long have you been a nerd and how long have you been a professional podcaster? So I started uh, I started podcasting in 2006 when podcasting first appeared on iTunes at the time. And the thing about it was that it was a huge announcement. It was a big deal. I'm like, what's the big deal about this? So I checked it out and I remember I started picking different topics, different things. And I was like, man, these are just regular folks like me talking about different things. So I remember I found a podcast, which is still on and off to this day, called Video Game News Radio. It's hosted by four guys from Cleveland, uh, Don, Brian, Kevin, and a guy named Larry Mack. And I appreciated it because it reminded me of that vibe of being in the barbershop and talking about stuff with your friends or with the other barbers that are there. And just a free-flowing conversation. They were just talking about games, but they were talking about games like obscure stuff regular stuff sometimes it would lean into old tv stuff and i said man this is great so i started listening every week every week and um i'd comment on stuff and they uh they used to have uh, skype and uh, they were like hey you know if anybody's interested blah 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 you know feel free to reach out on skype and we'll bring you on i was like man uh, that'd be cool so hey i remember i downloaded skype went in they added me to an episode they were like, man, that New York accent is coming through. They were all from Cleveland. And it was, um, you know, we were talking shop. And afterwards, we, we, we kind of just started communicating offline. And, you know, a few episodes, they'd call me in or I'd lend some stuff or they'd wanted me to uh, share some thoughts about like wrestling or MMA. And they were like, man, you should do this stuff. And I'm like, eh, I'm not going to do it. You know, it's cool. I'm, I'm just a fan of what you guys are doing. And if I could help out, I'd gladly do so. One of their listeners, uh, his nickname is Soiled, funny enough, he, um, <laughs> he messages me one day. He goes, listen, man, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm in Canada. I'd love to have you as a second mic or just to share some stuff. I remember we did like a handful. I did a handful of episodes with him and we spoke for hours and he turned that into a bunch of episodes. So again, he was like, uh, much like the guys from Video Game News Radio. He's like, man, Rich, you should really do this. And I'm like, eh. you know, it didn't it didn't strike me as I didn't strike me as a something that was viable. You know, I was working. I was just trying to take care of my sisters, do my job. And they were like, man, you should really do it. And the thing about it was, I'm like, you hear something enough. It's the universe giving you a message. Yeah, I said, man, you know what the hell with it? I bought like a Logitech USB headset, found Audacity, started recording. Next thing you know, I was recording for hours and just dropping these podcasts, just dropping them out and um, got burned out like anything else, because it was very hard to to quantify, to look at the metrics of what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes people would email you, hey, man, thanks. Thanks for the dope podcast. But other times you didn't know who was listening, who was doing what you just hope for the best. So I kind of got burned out. And then in 2009, a company called Blog Talk Radio burst on the scene. And they allowed you to do a podcast just like a regular radio show, meaning you could have somebody handle like your call screening, somebody 
to work the uh, the switchboard and people can call in. So I said, man, maybe I should do this show live. Next thing you know, here I am doing the show live from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. And it was covering MMA, wrestling, video games, and movies. So we were talking about all four of these topics from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. And I did that for four, 400 plus episodes. And um, along the way, the funny thing was, you know, we were talking about this pre-show. You know, somebody was like, man, you should do video. So then I started doing video. So now I have video, audio. I had a buddy of mine that used to moderate for MySpace. He was screening the calls. And next thing you know, we were having people call in. We were having wrestlers on, actors on. And it was just a crazy, crazy time. But along the way, we were a lot of the people that were writing for the site and doing stuff. They got the podcast bug. They're like, man, Rich, you know, how do I podcast? What do I need to do? So next thing you know, I went from doing my show to teaching mm -hmm. all of the writers how to podcast. So next thing you know, when I was reaching the end of the road with my podcast, I said, you know what? 400 episodes is a great way to hang it up. And I was just going to walk off into the sunset and call it a day. And um, one of our writers, his name was Jay. He, um, he was like, I want to start a podcast doing sports. So he started a podcast called the regular season sports cast. And um, I said, listen, I'll tell you what, I'll use my podcast as the foundation. I'm going to start a podcast network and all of you guys that want to do podcasts, you guys can have all your shows here. I'll edit them. I'll release them. All you guys got to do is record them. Next thing you know, you know, one one show turned to three shows turned to, I think we're at 12 shows now. And um, Jay, when I was getting ready to retire, uh, my take radio he was doing a wrestling segment on his sports podcast called turnbuckle tabloid mm -hmm. and it was so good that i said to him i'm like man you should make turnbuckle tabloid its own podcast so i told him i'm like listen i'm gonna hang it up and you know i really think you should do this and um turnbuckle tabloid is 300 plus episodes in yeah for sure and, i've heard it yeah so you know i um I, I still I still podcast now. I still do a podcast and I did a comic podcast with a buddy of mine. So the itch is still there, but now I'm kind of in the helping others get their podcasts off the ground, uh, using our podcast network to do so, using our established audience to to grow theirs. So that's kind of where I got my start. And the thing about it is going back to bringing it full circle, like you were saying, you know, my my emphasis on geek culture was because I wanted to find more people that were into the same stuff that I was into, but in the same mix. Because it's not often you run into somebody that likes wrestling, likes MMA, plays video games, is a movie buff, collects comic books, collects toys. So I was like, I need more people. I need a tribe like that. I need more people that I can talk wrestling about at the flip of a switch, talk about the latest comics. And, and, and I said, going back to what we were talking about before, I said, where can I find that? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to create that. <laughs> I'm the exact same way. I really am. Because a lot of the stuff you just described is me to a T. Like, I love MMA. I love wrestling. I'm huge into all sorts of geek things like comic books, comic book movies and TV shows. I'm huge into video games. And I was lacking in that. Like, I felt like the part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is because I missed having a community like that. I miss having people to talk to about sort of things like that. Like, for instance, I don't know who else I would be able to talk to right now about Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena from last night or like SummerSlam also happened last night. Right. The, fact, the fact that the MCU phase five, we just got huge news from Comic-Con. And that's a part of the reason why I'm like, I want to find people who love the same kind of shit that I do. Like all this nerdy shit, whether it be in sports, uh, sports nerddom or like actual like geek nerdom. Everything you were listing right now, I was just like, OK, that checks one box for me, checks two boxes, checks three boxes, checks four. Right. I get it. So I get why you started that. And because where you were at back then is where I'm at right now. So I get that. So, Richard, you're a Marvel nerd just like I am. And we got a lot of news out of San Diego Comic-Con a while back about phase four, phase five and phase six of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's talk about that for a bit. We got a lot of announcements and we got a lot of projects that they're releasing in phase five and phase six. What were your initial thoughts on what they revealed on phase five and phase six? See, 
I'm I'm very excited when it comes to Marvel, but I feel that tempered within that excitement is a lot of expectations from uh, what I like to call three schools of fans. You got comic book fans that like the movies. You have fans that are only fans of the movies. And then you have people that are, you know, so invested in the books that the movies, if they don't follow the books, just it just disgusts them totally. And my problem with that is always the fact that it creates a separation for fans mm-hmm. because, you know, when when you do this stuff, I always tell people you have to remember that the comic book movies, while they are for us, they're also tools for new fans. And the problem is that people take, you know, uh, people take the shit way too seriously. They really I mean, do. you know, uh the the wrestler cody rhodes i remember he talked about something with star wars and people were giving him a hard time on twitter about it and he wrote and i and i just love it he goes it's pew 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 in space <laughs> and he it really just summed is. it up like that and i tell people exactly that when it comes to comic books it's like listen the mcu is in its own bubble it's it, while yes while the books are part of that they're never going to follow the books no, not one hundred percent. They're gonna cherry pick. They're gonna borrow, and they're gonna compress all of that into a product they can put out that's ninety minutes to two hours long. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But at the end of it all, are you entertained? Yes or no? It's really, it's really that simple. And if it checks off a lot of your fandom boxes along the way, then you should consider that a bonus. That's if so you dope. Want the books, read the books. You know what I mean? Like if you want the books. Here's a thought. Go read them and support that medium because every, you know, movies are always going to be made. Comic books can disappear in the blink of an eye if you don't support them anyway. Yeah, you simple. got a point. When you were listing that out, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, that's how I feel about Miss Marvel because I am a huge comic book fan and I also enjoy the movies and the TV shows. Like, right. I'm ingrained in the MCU and in the comic books. I loved the Miss Marvel comic book, but this isn't exactly 1v1 representation of what that comic book was, but right. I still enjoyed the show regardless of. Uh, right. I enjoyed the show too. And mm. I, but then I remembered that that show, while it's for us, it's not for us. And oh, yeah. When people people get confused when they hear that, they're like, but but it's a, it's a Marvel show and blah, blah, blah. I said, yes, but it's also a way to introduce a character who sorely needed that type of representation to validate that character. Because while people love the books and people think that the character's dope in the books, who's buying the books? Nobody. But I mean, like mm-hmm. like people are like, hey, we're going to do this Miss Marvel series. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, who's buying it? And I'm yeah, talking about not the people that are slabbing and bagging to make to make money with the number ones or the first appearances, not those. But I'm talking about who's buying the books religiously every month and reading them. You got a good point. Obviously, it wasn't supported because it only lasted what, a two year run. So it yeah, wasn't really right. supported like that. So I get that completely. I get that completely. And I want the representation and I want I want like kids to see heroes that look like them, heroes that are like them. But I'm also a big proponent of the fact and it's not gatekeeping but it's the fact that i want to see more creativity more innovation meaning oh, I get that. like miss marvel came out you guys said hey she's part she's interwoven into captain marvel we're gonna do this tv show she's gonna be in the movie i said awesome that's how you do it but don't go backwards and say oh we're gonna we're gonna do you know like people were talking about and this this story this was years ago they were like oh you know we're gonna we're going to do we're going to recast Professor X and Magneto and we're going to make them people of color. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you can make Professor X any color you want. Because race doesn't matter for Professor X. Ethnicity doesn't matter for Professor X, because as long as he's bold and he gives nuggets of wisdom and he's a psychic, think about it. Yeah. If you close your eyes and you think of Professor X. It doesn't matter what color he is. But when you think of a character like Magneto, his traumas, you know, being a Holocaust survivor, all of that stuff, they are ingrained in the fabric of his character. He -hmm. is a character that you can't just wake up and say, you know, we want to make Magneto a person of color. No. And and people don't want to hear that because they get upset and they're like, yeah, but why not? Because Magneto's traumas and the and the basis, the foundation of his character stream stems from the fact that he was a Holocaust survivor. 
I get your he point because he is representative of that two things. He's representative of that demographic. Mm-hmm. He's representative of that historical event. And it's also a great story to tell because it shows that this person's traumas, while they are some of they are they are horrific, they also made a character that is incredibly loved by many fans, whether he's a hero or a villain. Oh, yeah, completely. And yeah, and he's relatable. He is extremely relatable because yep. we all th- went through that level of diver- uh, like persecution in a way. It's, yep. And to see the way he reacts to that, it's very human. So yep. it makes him very relatable. Exactly. And, and people lose sight of that. And I feel like that's a big that's a big misnomer sometimes when people are sitting here talking about, oh, we got to do representation. We got to do this. We got to do that. And, and, and I say to them, I go, listen, that's great. But I want representation to mean something, not representation because it's cool, mm-hmm. not representation because you want to sell the product to that demographic. And therein lies the problem. I was having a, a debate with a friend of mine. We were talking about Namor, you mm-hmm. know, and Namor came up heavily. And the funny thing is, everybody's like, yeah, Namor, he's a person of color. Awesome. And I said, yeah, that's great. Because guess what? Atlanteans are not a race. They are not real (laughs) so if they're not real you can make them whatever the hell you want oh for sure on the contrary you look at early early drawings of namor namor looked asian Mm -hmm. so if you turned around and you said you know what we're gonna make namor asian guess what nobody's tripping about it yeah nobody's tripping and and therein like what i don't like is that you're doing this and then you're saying yeah we're gonna do this representation and everything and it's like awesome i'm very excited for it i want to see that because at the end of the day, foundationally, none of that matters because it's all fictional. Mm-hmm. And that's where people are, uh, you know, and they're, and going back to what we were saying before, there's that romanticizing of, oh, well, in the books, he's not. Yeah, that's right. In the books, he's not X. But guess what? Neither was Aquaman. Last <laughs> time I checked, Aquaman was blonde haired and, and, and white. Yeah. And you made him, in, you know, a person of color with Jason Momoa and nobody batted an eye. No one cared. Cuz he was cuz again, it's an ex- he was acceptably a good-looking person of color. <laughs> so all the transgressions, all the sins get erased when you're a good-looking person of color. It yeah, it didn't hurt when you're Jason Momoa either. So That's, that's what I'm th- ex- yeah, exactly. Sure. I mean like like uh, it, the comic book purists will be like, "Yeah, man, but but Aquaman in the books, yeah, Aquaman in the books is not." But guess what? No one cares. Do you think it's because no one cares because it is Jason Momoa? Or do you think it's also that DC factor of like, we know DC is not necessarily on their A game anyways. You know, we don't expect much from DC. No, I think that what they realized is that they realized exactly what we were just saying, that Mm -hmm. the story of a guy like Aquaman is a story of an Atlantean and a human. Mm hmm. The color of that human don't matter. It really doesn't. See what I mean? So mm-hmm. when you do that, you're like, yeah, that's right. And when you look at Namor's origin, the, uh, uh, an Atlantean and a human, the color of that human don't matter. No, for sure not. It could have been any color. And therein lies the whole point. The same thing when people are like, when they were talking about the, uh, the Michael B. Jordan Superman project, right? Mm-hmm. I go, well, is he going to be Calvin Ellis? Is he going to be that? Is he going to be Earth, you know, Earth 2 Superman? Oh, no, he's just going to be Clark Kent. No. That's like, That's like, completely different. Like, tell the stories that are meant to be told. But then, you know what? If you want to tell a story of African-American Superman, then go to the source material. Mm-hmm. Calvin Ellis, tell that story. Because that is a great story to tell. And you know, don't just cherry pick. You know what I mean? For like, sure. I and we've had plenty of like we've had plenty of stories involving Clark Kent. Um, we've had plenty of them. We can give another character a chance, and there's plenty of good stories out there besides Clark Kent's story, especially with Kryptonian mythology. I can see your point in that. So let's pivot for a second. What did you think of the Black Panther trailer? I thought the Black Panther trailer was incredibly emotional. Mm-hmm. I felt that it told it told us enough without telling us enough. I, I come from a, a school of thought that I understand respecting the legacy that Chadwick Boseman created for the character, but by writing him off, compl- writing off the character completely, 
you almost pigeonhole yourself because if I remember correctly, I think even his brother was like, you know, Chad would have liked the role to be recast to be recast because he felt that the character was bigger than him. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very, very, that messaging is very indicative of just Chadwick Boseman as a performer and as a human. He was like, listen, this isn't about me. I mean, there's a, there's a video floating around. I believe it was him on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, no, it was him on um, Fallon, I believe. And it was people talking to a Black Panther poster, mm-hmm. telling, the po- telling what the movie meant to them, and he was standing behind it. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. And mm-hmm. the fact, you know, the emotion on his face that he realized, like, hey, I brought this character to life. I helped, you know, shape who this character is. And the fact that I'm just a relatable A-plus human being is icing on the cake. Is It just shows that he realized that the character and the importance and the significance was bigger than him. And I feel that a lot of times people lose sight of that when the Pete, when the actors want to be there, like Henry Cavill, Superman, it's like, listen, the guy wants to play Superman. He loves, he loves being Superman. Mm-hmm. Let the guy be Superman, pay the dude, what he, whatever he wants, give him what he wants. Cause he wants to be there. The people that don't want to be there, let them go. Yeah, the for sure. Want to be there and and help use those characters to inspire and 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 lead the way for people. Then so be it. So, do you think Disney was in a lose lose situation, whether or not they recasted him or not? Because you know there would have been like some controversy behind that too. Well, I think that the die was cast because the movie was being filmed as he passed. Yeah, that's true. So they were in a situation there where you know they were like okay if we recast him it's gonna be insensitive because it's gonna be like we need to get the movie made Mm -hmm. and it opens up a conversation like that like oh these guys are all about the money they didn't even stop production they just kept it moving because he died like there's a if you i don't know if you're familiar do you remember the show on stars that was based on spartacus yeah um it was spartacus like um yeah yeah, it was spartacus Mm -hmm. so there were two there were two actors at the time and the original actor, he died. He had cancer and he died. Mm-hmm. And a new actor finished out the series. And he did a great job. But the fact was that there was so much sadness when the actor that played him initially died. Yeah. And they took whatever, I think it was a year or two off before they said, oh, you know, we're going to continue the series. And then they did like a prequel series to mm-hmm. fill in the void. Mm hmm while they while they did that and it, it it was it was fitting it was a great legacy to close out the series and to keep the actor's memory alive and the thing about it is that disney was stuck because they were already in progress so they were like man you know like let's just let's just acknowledge that t'challa died you know what t'challa's died in the books so it yeah. is what it is how we move forward is different because again Shuri's been Black Panther in the books. Yeah, for sure. Shuri could be Black Panther on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they choose to do that or not, because of you know um, certain off-camera ideologies that the actress may have, uh, remains to be seen. But you know what? You have. I always tell people the cinematic universe again is in its own bubble. So if it they really decide, is. you know, Okoye is going to be the Black Panther, then so be it. The Black Panther has been a woman. Maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be. T'Challa's sister. No, it can be Okoye. Has mm-hmm. been a woman. Yeah, I agree with that. Black Panther has been wielded by a woman. So, based on that alone, it could be Okoye. It could be his mom suiting up, and you know, it could be Angela Bassett getting getting busy in there. It could be. It could be all of them at varying stages. It could be just misdirection. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be you know a redemption story for Killmonger. Could be. We yeah. No. There's there's a there's a that's why I like the way the trailer was structured, because it's the art of of getting you hyped without giving anything away. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I think I'm I'm right there with you. I don't necessarily want them to I don't want them to like pigeonhole themselves by not having any like a woman being Black Panther, because I think any of those women could kill it as Black Panther. I also think like. Mbaku could be an excellent Black Panther. Right. Um, you know, like he would absolutely kill into the role. I don't necessarily want to see 
Killmonger back because I think that minimizes his death from the original movie. It does. It does minimize his death. But going back to what I was saying before, you get a redemption arc. You do. Because you realize, and this is where, you know, people loved Killmonger as a villain because the vet, the best villains are the ones that believe in their messaging unconditionally. Mm -hmm. But you also got to remember that the best villains also are so purposely driven that they don't want, he wouldn't want Wakanda to be destroyed by someone if he's not the one in charge. Oh yeah, for sure. So you're playing on, on two sides. You're playing on, on an ego side, but you're also playing on it's, I always tell people, um, I remind them, do you, do you remember when they did that weird arc where doc Ock took possession of Spider-Man's body? Yes. I think it's spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. Superior mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Superior. There is. So think mm -hmm. about it. So he was Spider-Man and he was villainous, mm -hmm. but being in the role for so long, he realized, man, there's a lot I can, there's a lot of good I can do. Yeah. Yeah. The ego there, he wanted yeah. to prove that he was the superior Spider-Man, that he can be better than Peter at being Spider-Man. Exactly. You see what I mean? So that, e that story narrative can work in the Killmonger case. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, look at you, you're dead. The city's under attack. Uh, this is a, this is a, you know, um, we need a wartime leader. And that wartime leader is going to be me. Yeah, that could work. That could work. I'm. It depends on how they execute, because uh, it depends on how they explain. Yeah, touch. yeah, for sure. They really have to explain how he came back, or whether or not he died, or what, how he survived. Like the the claw, like marks in general. Like, yep. I, they really have to give us a solid explanation and and weave it into a very very cool storyline. But if they if they prove that right, then I'll I'll admit that you know like he he can be a good Black Panther as far as like really take over the role that Chachala left behind. So I want to talk about some other movies in phase five. Are there anything else you're looking forward to? Like what's your most anticipated project? Um, I really, I, you know, everybody's hype about the X-Men and the X-Men introduction. And that's mm -hmm. fine. I, I honestly am curious about what they're going to do with secret wars I'm saying. because that's a mass and, and people, people that aren't savvy, there's different versions of secret wars. Mm -hmm. The original version where Spidey got the black costume, there's battle world where you had all the different universes and the incursions, which has already been addressed in Dr. Strange. And I feel that that's the framework they're going to lead with because that will allow them to not only showcase different aspects of the Marvel universe, but also as a way to clean the slate. Oh yeah. For I sure. say this because right now, obviously Sony has Spider-Man. Sony's going into business for themselves, but they're also going to let Marvel use Spider-Man. Now, Marvel's going to be very selective on when they use Spidey, but you're going to use Spidey in Secret Wars. Oh, That's yeah. Got to. Now, the question is, by the time we get to when that movie comes out, will Sony still own Spider-Man? I hope not. I really do hope I mean, not. Like, that, like, like, there's a very interesting dynamic there because Sony's riding the wave of momentum thanks to the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Because Morbius made no money. It is trash. Venom, Venom 2 did all right. But again, wasn't like, oh my God, it wasn't great. No and one. If, and no. if you notice, Marvel's been laying breadcrumbs off of Sony's work. Mm -hmm. There's a symbiote in the MCU. Venom left a piece of himself in the MCU. Mm -hmm. You know, Necrosword, Gore the God Butch. He's like, yeah. the pieces are there. So I wouldn't be surprised if either, if either Sony decides to just enter that partnership full time because they'd rather make some money than no money. That's true. Or they Marvel, you know, Disney makes them an offer they can't refuse and they just go, man, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I think both uh, either scenario is extremely likely because yep. uh, Universal did the same thing with the Hulk. You know, yep. they just played played nice with Disney and, you know, let them use the Hulk product, uh, basically product as they please, so to speak. Well, they can't do any solo projects. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, they don't need to as long as they throw him in and make him a supporting character. This is true. But I feel that you also lose a lot of great Hulk storytelling. Like Thor Ragnarok is a, was essentially World War Hulk mm -hmm. with Thor gift wrap. Yeah. That and the true. problem that happened with that is that you lost the critical element of what made World War Hulk an amazing story. 
So do you think they lean in and use like She-Hulk and and use her for most of his like crucial storylines? I think they're going to lean on that a bit because I think that that's one of the better ways to represent him. But I also feel that fans are fans have moved on from, you know, nerdy Hulk and Mm -hmm. Foon Thor. Like mm-hmm. people are just moving on from that. Like, like a lot of people are like, "All right, this shit's getting tired." Like, where's badass Hulk? Where's Worldbreaker Hulk? Where's you know the Hulk that can put it that can really put in that work? Yeah. And the problem is that, unfortunately, Marvel Marvel has other ideas now. The thing about it is going back to what we were saying. They play in a different sandbox, so maybe they want to leave him Smart Hulk for now, and then you know they're waiting for an opportunity to unleash a more you know, a darker side of that story. Who knows? Same thing with Thor. It's like, all right, now that you've gotten, you've scratched the, um, the comedy itch mm-hmm. with the character, let's get back to badass God of Thunder Thor. Yeah. With Thor, it's kind of, they're in a tricky situation because like they tried to do badass God of Thunder, like Thor in the first two movies, they didn't do anything with that. And then Ragnarok. But that's a writing problem. Yeah, it is. You can guess what? You can humanize a warrior. That is true. You can you can draw inspiration from a war. I mean, look at look at um look at three hundred. Mm-hmm. Look at how those were some badass dudes in that movie. Yeah, but Leonidas felt human. Of human elements mm-hmm. in that film. You look at um. I always talk about like movies like The Professional. Mm-hmm. You know, Jean Reno's character, a badass, but that's true. humanized by. Natalie Portman's uh, young character. It's a matter of just good writing. John Wick. Oh, you know, I love John, John Wick. Badass. Humanized by his flaws. Still a badass. Still can put two in you and keep it moving. <laughs> you know? but, You're not lying. You're yeah. not lying. So, what are the properties are you looking forward to? Are you looking forward to Ant Man and the Quantum Mania? I, I am because I feel that they've done a good job of making Ant Man a cool character. I tell people all the time. I'm like, listen, I love comic books, but I hated reading Captain America. I hated reading Thor and I hated reading Iron Man. I never bought them unless they were part of a bigger saga mm-hmm. because I just I just didn't like the characters. I was like, eh, you know, like they're there. The MCU has succeeded in making those characters acceptably cool. Because Tony Stark, you read Iron Man books back in the day. If he wasn't fighting the Mandarin or a dude that had a suit like him, nobody gave a shit. No, no one if cared. Cap wasn't fighting Red Skull or Crossbones, no one cared. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, Cap is fighting the Serpent Society. Pass. Yeah, for sure. You know, and the, and and I think that the movies did a great job of that, of making those characters cool in other ways. And I feel Ant Man falls into that same category because for all the years that we that I've seen Ant Man, it's like oh, he's in the Avengers. You That's know, true. they did that one arc where, you know, where he was like abusive to like wasp and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that was like some real dark storytelling. But strip that away. It's like, oh, he's always been part of the Avengers. Like, yeah. Uh, no yeah. one's running out there to buy a vision comic book. You know what I, you see what I mean? <laughs> For sure. Like I always tell people like there are characters that are leading characters that should be. And then there's characters like not every character needs a movie. Mm-hmm. TV shows suffice. I get that completely. I get that. So I was looking at Ant-Man and I was thinking maybe this is his time to get more of a serious role and maybe lean out of that comedy aspect that Ant-Man 1 and 2 had. This seems like with Kang the Conqueror being the focus point of Quantumania, this seems like, and also MODOK is also going to be one of the villains. I feel like this is going to lean and get more towards almost that Thor Ragnarok balance between action and, and comedy. Almost that, you know, because Thor is a tragedy story. One through four as yep. always all four movies have been, you know, relatively dripped in tragedy. Yep. I think Ant-Man is going to lean more towards that as well. I think I think darker storytelling has a place. We need that delicate balance. But I also feel that there's an aspect of the character where you got to kind of stay in your lane, meaning mm-hmm. like like Ant-Man, like you look at Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd can be serious, but he's known primarily for being a comedy actor. If you balance that line, like I always tell people, like you look at Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler is a textbook example of a guy that he's like, Hey, I'm the comedy guy. Ha ha ha. But when I'm going to be serious, it's going to be like, Oh my God, like give this guy the Oscar. Yeah. Like hustle. Have you seen hustle? Hmm? 
Have you seen the new movie Hustle? No, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard good things about it because of that exact thing, that fine line of, hey, let me give this little one-liner and then let me tell a more heartfelt story. I think that's what happened with Thor, where people kind of now are now like exhausted of comedy Thor mm-hmm. or, or bro Thor. Because if you remember, he always had like one liners, snazzy little things, but still like still a badass. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, like I remember when he called Stormbreaker when he's talking to Captain Marvel. And, and you know, he has that real serious look on his face. Everybody's like, oh, shit. It's you know? about like, to go down. Yeah, exactly. Or when when he came down to to help them in the battle and he came down with Groot and Rocket. Oh man, that was badass, amazing. Full badass moment, but he's like, but again, a little comedy like, hey, I see mm-hmm. you got the same facial hair I do, you know? And yeah. then again, still in the heat of battle, but that camaraderie and I think that that's what you need. Don't lean so much into like buffoonery and 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 over the top antics because you just the character doesn't need slapstick that leads me to another question where do you think they go with thor in the future do you think he gets another movie like another solo movie or do you think they kind of use him more of as an ensemble piece or more as a supporting character going forward i think you they've laid they've laid the breadcrumbs to do one more film but i also feel that we have reached the apex of of thor storytelling meaning Mm -hmm. that you've got We've used Malekith. We've mm-hmm. used Loki. We've used Gore the God Butcher. Like Where unless you go next? You do, yeah, like unless you do like um, what the hell is that guy's name? Is it Magog or Man- Mangog? One of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Like that, like unless you go like super end of the world. Like this is the guy. Like like you again. We don't need. Th- does he need five movies? Maybe he doesn't. You know. Maybe this is this is the end of that story for now. And he can show up in like something big. But that might be it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you think of the new Blade movie coming out with Mahershala Ali? I am cautiously optimistic, strictly on the basis that Mahershala Ali is a great character. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a great actor. But I also feel that this might be one of those instances where Marvel's going to try and check off a lot of boxes. Meaning, like, you know, there's the rumors of Blade having the daughter and they're going that storyline. And it's like, listen, here's an, here's an opportunity for you to create an open slate with Blade. Yeah. First thing you need to do is prove that you can continue making Blade a badass. Mm-hmm. Second thing I feel is that you should have taken Wesley Snipes and made him Whistler. Yeah, yeah, make him that role. That would have been dope. Give him that for two, mentor-like role. Two, two reasons. One, because fa- you, you got to remember, Wesley Snipes, Blade Wesley Snipes Blade was the first MCU property to really get people talking. Oh, for sure. So everybody, it's like Blade did that first. Period. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, but Blade did that first. People like to eh, nope. Blade did that. Now, the thing about it is, you you owe I don't I don't feel like you owe Wesley Snipes that, but he deserves that. He deserves that that tip of the hat. And it's a nice Easter egg. Thank you. He should play Whistler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, going back to what we were talking about before, who Whistler is and what color he is is irrelevant. Doesn't matter. See what I'm saying? So, Doesn't matter. Boom. That's a, that's a great opportunity for you to be like, hey, we're going to do this. And we can tell that story with Blade. And honestly, I hate to say it, but as much as they want a Blade movie, Blade should have been a series. Yeah. Not a movie. And I'll tell you why. Because Blade is one of those characters that when you read the books... It's like supernatural, like it's the monster of the week. Mm -hmm. So you can build that up towards, you know, Dracula or Lilith or, you know, Mephisto. Yeah. Mephisto, Midnight Suns. There's a lot you can do. But again, now you're pigeonholing yourself and I got to tell the story and I'm going to spread it out over three movies. Okay, You know, so I think, I think there should have been a series and not a movie, but that's just uh, that's just a personal assessment on my part. Yeah, I agree with that. I can see that. I definitely think we are leading towards something in Marvel right now, especially with the inclusion of Blade. And then we got the Black Knight in the Eternals movie. I can definitely see that they're leading the cookie crumbs into something major. I feel like it's Midnight Suns or maybe a Dark Avengers kind of super team that they're leaning towards. But I'm very interested to see where they go next with this. I have always said that Marvel Knights, like the Marvel Knights imprint, mm-hmm. should be Marvel's R-rated movie category. Oh, that'd be dope. Same way you have Marvel Studios come out, it should just mm-hmm. be Marvel Knights. And it should be 
those darker characters and not pigeonhole yourselves in oh we gotta sell toys like listen moon knight violent oh for sure marvel knights and you should do that to differentiate it even on disney plus like the same way you do the marvel studios logo to all the characters do marvel knights and just show like punisher daredevil moon knight blade go down that list tell those stories and don't don't remove yourself from the the what these core characters really are so who do you think should play um punisher you think it should be john bernthal john bernthal should continue mm-hmm. to play the punisher because number one going back to what i was saying with superman he wants to play the character he wants to be there he wants to tell those stories let the man work <laughs> he's phenomenal in that role too like absolutely phenomenal let i can't think of work. anyone anyone better in that role yep you got to let the man work let the dude put that work in yeah so he wants to be there one last MCU question, like MCU centric question. How would you bring the the X-Men into this universe? So I would honestly, you know, I always I've made a joke for the last few years that when Stanley died, Deadpool should have became Stanley, meaning Deadpool should be everywhere. Make the cameos in every like, movie. Like, like there should be a battle in New York City. He's at a taco truck. <laughs> with a mask nobody acknowledges it he's just there and i thought that Mar- that dr strange in the multiverse of madness did an excellent job in letting us know there is an x-men out there mm-hmm. so with that said it's like you know freddy krueger used to say it in the old movies every town has an elm street dr strange in the multiverse of madness reminded us every timeline has an x-men yeah for sure so with that said i would definitely introduce them and they started to already by saying to miss in miss marvel like oh you're the first mutant i'm excited it's like it's like but she's not Mm -hmm. and that's where namor comes in Mm -hmm. namor is the first mutant period and once you lean into that and acknowledge that like the next thing should be like like man you know, like it should it should do a cut back to like what they did in was it civil not civil war, uh Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. where they cut back and it's shield and it's like ah, oh, so we got our first mutant. And Nick Fury's like, he's he's the he's first. The first. No, he go have him be like, he's the first on record. <laughs> and just the camera pans back and you just see Charles Xavier, Eric Lencher, you know. James Howlett and the mm-hmm. list and it's just there and he goes there's a lot more where that came from that's and dope it cuts out and people will just be like oh and then you do that because the best things are the art of being subtle but outright subtle mm-hmm. like if you remember at the end of Wolverine when he's in the airport right yeah and yeah you're, and you know magneto and professor x show up nobody expected that Mm-mm. and you're just like oh okay this is now big exactly so to do that and to do that is to again drop those breadcrumbs subtly like i always felt that a great opportunity to discuss wolverine would be steve steve talking about man i remember serving with a guy you couldn't kill this guy he goes this canadian guy he was he was nuts man he was a savage on the battlefield I wonder whatever happened to him. And just like in passing, mm-hmm. and you could just be like, huh, I wonder who he's talking about. Because then you create in the mystique, create yeah. curiosity. And then people are like, man, because Cap, one of the things that Wolverine's always talked about was serving, fighting alongside Cap. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can always, you can always be like, man, there was this guy and he was weird, man. Like he'd get shot. I'd be like, oh, this guy died. And they'd be like, oh, he'd be walking around a few way, a few days later. And you don't even got to do a lot. Like, that's what I liked what they did when they introduced Isaiah Bradley. Mm -hmm. In in that, like, he was like, man, I took the suit and I did this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, you just created curiosity because if you did a series based on on that, on red, white and black, that'd be so good. You could tell that Tuskegee Airmen, that that story, that historical piece. And more importantly, you would scratch that creative itch by getting that out there. 
I know you mentioned that originally Captain America was the one who served with Howlett. It could be the fact that they have Isaiah Bradley be the one who served with Howlett. You could do that too. Yeah. You could do that too. Exactly. You could just be like, man, you you know, like you can ask those questions like, man, there's this guy. He just, I feel like he's been in every war. And then again, like Nick Fury be like, yeah, we got a record on him. And then you could just be like James Howlett served in X war, you Mm -hmm. know, James Howlett the third, and it's the and he goes. I'm inclined to think that's the same guy. Yeah, have fun with that. You mentioned earlier that you um, think that Namor's going to be the first mutant in the MCU. Do you not think it's going to be Apocalypse? Like, if they eventually go the Apocalypse route, I mean, they can, but it's good to use the mutant terminology like they did mm-hmm. in Miss Marvel, and I think that by doing that, you're keeping that that word front and center because mm-hmm. if you remember they couldn't use that word no while well, fox had it yeah so you know it was enhanced individuals this that and a third it's like no mutants mm-hmm. now they're, they're, that the word is out there now you can use that word and keep that vernacular consistent that messaging needs to be consistent who's the next mutant you, you think we see um that's going to be officially labeled a mutant you know i mean namor definitely miss mm-hmm. marvel and I'm inclined, I'm inclined, I really am inclined to think that it should be, it should be Professor X. That'd be really good. That's, like, it should be him, like, hey, you know, there's a guy, he has this school, he deals with this stuff, and just, that's, that's the one. And honestly, I, I, I'm convinced that the introduction of Wolverine should be a series and not a movie. I'm the same way. I think Wolverine, once you have him in anything X-Men, he sort of takes over. Yep. You know, like that that mystique of Wolverine almost like yep. absorbs everything around him. So I would give him a series. I I'd almost do like I'd prefer to have maybe five series dealing with like anthology series dealing with different X-Men and then have a Wolverine series uh, on it all on its own. That way you can introduce like maybe let us get to know these characters on an intimate level more so than just a movie and i and i think that the historical significance of wolverine being in so many world events i i almost am inclined to and i say this jokingly so don't nobody take this seriously you got to treat wolverine like you treat forrest gump i can totally see that you gotta do it you gotta be like oh we're gonna talk about you know civil rights movement he Mm -hmm. was there um you know world you know fighting the nazis he was there and then one yeah Yep. And then just tell the story. Each episode could be like that and then have the last few episodes end in the present. That'd be dope. That would be dope. How do you what do you think they do with Weapon X? Like as far as like the actual the program facility. I I think (laughs) I think the program should exist because, you know, they kind of loosely talked about it when they did Falcon and Winter Soldier, because, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, they're building these these formulas. They do all this stuff. And, you know, it's like. People, people forget in the books, Captain America was weapon one. Mm-hmm. Wolverine was weapon 10. So those are stories that you can explore a little deeper by using the Captain America framework. Like Sam Wilson could be investigating like, man, Steve wasn't the first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this and this. And then like, oh, there's this, there's this archive of records. And then going back to what you said, you go talk to Isaiah Bradley. Hey, man, did you ever serve with a guy that you kind of felt that was unkillable and he could just be like yeah man i remember this this guy tough as nails this this canadian guy he was he was tough man i remember we were in a war in 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 the trenches and he got hit by some shrapnel and i'm like oh my god and you know they carted him out of there and a few days later he was good as new couldn't couldn't figure out why that'd be dope and then and then that's the framework that you use to gift wrap that and tell that story so Captain America 4 is, is dubbed Captain America New World Order. Do you think, who do you think is going to be the villain in that? I mean, if they, there's, there's a few different ways you could do that. I feel that by undoing the blip, mm-hmm. you could return Red Skull easily. That's true. Because, uh, again, you know, he, somebody, like, if you wanted to get real crazy by undoing the blip and bringing people back, Scarlet Witch could be the Watcher now. Yeah, Red Skull could have been restored. Yeah, I I can see Red Skull coming back. I also can see him being above it all now that he's seen the yep. universe. You know, the bigger universe yep. out there. 
I or I don't know. Him. Or they cloned him. Um, in the in the books, his daughter Cynthia Schmidt, which mm-hmm. is in in the books, you know, you could use her and just be like, oh, you know, my father died fighting, blah blah blah, and you could make the plot point that she's trying to bring him back. That'd be dope. I I also think that that could be a new way of introducing mutants. Like Omega Red could be the bad guy in that one, and that Omega could be Red a... could be the bad guy. You could talk about that that Weapon Plus project. You could mm-hmm. do that. Um, that's a that's a good that's a good character that's versatile in mm-hmm. usage. You know, Omega Red is definitely useful for that stuff. You know, you can yeah, obviously they killed off Crossbones, but you could use a underrated guy like Cyber. Oh, that'd be a dope one. That's a deep cut. I yeah. like that. Cyber's like a good that. one. I was thinking even a Sebastian Shaw, if you wanted to like tie it in with the X Men a little bit. You, you could, but you know what it was like. They he he was used in first class and. Mm-hmm. You know, Based on the rumors of of certain characters being under contract and then not Uh-oh. being able to be used for a few years, like Omega Red, Cyber, those are characters that haven't been touched. Yeah, that'd be dope. So you could kind of lean into those. Um, you could do Phantom X. You could do mm-hmm. uh, you could do Alpha Flight. You could do some Alpha Flight stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to do it. That's a good way to introduce Wolverine too. Yeah, yeah. Not I necessarily think the, the X Men right away. We've been talking about MCU. You're also a, a pro wrestling buff like I am. Yep. What do you think of the, the state of pro wrestling today? Um, I honestly think we are in a very special period as fans. I think it's, it's, uh, it's important because you have multiple, promo- multiple promotions, multiple ways to consume wrestling content. And more importantly, it's opening people's eyes to different styles of wrestling. You're getting lucha wrestling. You're getting Japanese strong style. You're getting British strong style. You're seeing all these amazing performers that may have not had a platform back in the day, unless it was YouTube or or people just talking about them in forums. Now mm-hmm. you're seeing like real bodies of work, and I think that this is a very special time because going back to what I was saying before, competition breeds creativity, That's and. Real. You know, people and again, competing against other companies, not competing against yourselves. Like, I think that there should be competition and collaboration Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, the number one thing should always be that the fans win. Yeah, promotions and wrestlers make money, but the fans win. So right now you have AEW doing its thing. You have Triple H taking over creative control of WWE. And now that product seems to be on the uprise as well. So do you think now that Triple H is in control of the creative process of WWE that this sort of revitalizes the rivalry between Triple H and what he's doing and the rivalry between AEW? Because we did get a little bit of that rivalry between Triple H's NXT and AEW. I think it does to a point, but I also feel that NXT should have remained a WWE network product. Mm -hmm. Because the minute that it went to TV, it forced the focus to be on things that it didn't need to be focused on like oh this is the highest rated segment oh this is the highest rated this oh this person should get more tv time because their segment peaked with the 18 to 34 demo and that's great but you know what that did that hurt a lot of wrestlers yeah for sure allowing you to remain on the network number one was a great dangling carrot to get people to subscribe to the network because then Mm -hmm. you knew like this is original programming i can only see these people perform there unless they get called up to the main roster by forcing going back to what I was saying before, by forcing WWE to compete against itself, it's like NXT wasn't just an independent spinoff. It mm-hmm. was like and NXT became a third brand. And the problem with the third brand was that they were so focused on beating AEW ratings wise that they couldn't beat AEW creatively at the time. Yeah. Yeah, so where do you think AEW goes in the future now? What who do you think is the next like couple of champions and what do you think they should do next? I think that in AEW's case, you you need Ring of Honor to get its TV deal mm-hmm. because keeping Ring of Honor at the forefront, you're limit you're eliminating TV time for characters that sorely need it. And I think that once Ring of Honor gets some sort of a TV deal, whether it's streaming or otherwise, that'll help free that up. But I also think that with AEW, where they're going is they need to double down on their homegrown talent and let them flex their let them flex their wings. And they're starting to do that 
Um, you know, Hook winning the FTW title was cool. Um, you know, what they're doing with Ricky Starks, great. And you're seeing, like, starting to see some of those little things. But mm-hmm. then you look at, oh, um, like, they started doing some good storytelling with Thunder Rosa. Then it's back to Britt Baker. And it's like, okay, like, like that feud. And it's like, yo, you guys got some, some decent talent in there. Like, they have a roster now. Exactly. You know, Jade Cargill, like, like, why can't Jade Cargill go after the NXT women's belt? I mean, excuse me, the, the, the AEW, AEW yeah, the, the AEW mm-hmm. women's championship. Why can't she? Why That's does she point. need to be the TBS champion? That's like, a good point. Why wouldn't you want that? I, I'm, I'm from the school of wrestling that when you were the IC champ, you were automatically the number one contender for the world title. Oh, yeah, for sure. So why can't she? compete or chase the AEW women's belt yeah i'm right there with you especially considering like we thunder roses ran through the rest of the roster at this point exactly just just let her go with jade and i'm fine with having jade as a dual champion or at least for the time being validate to validate that homegrown talent but i also liked what what um impact wrestling used to do which was you trade in the x division belt yeah for your title shot Yep, option Mm -hmm. c and I was like, why can't the, the, you know, the TNT champion be the number one contender for the title? Oh, I'm right there with you. I am yeah. right there with you. I am. Why can't Wardlow fight John Moxley for the belt? And don't get me wrong. The, the rule should be the, the secondary champ is the number one contender for that belt. And if he so chooses to challenge for it, once he loses it, he can't challenge for it until he loses the secondary belt. Oh, I'm down that with that rule. Intrigue. That keeps mm-hmm. the intrigue there. That way, let's say Wardlow goes, challenges John Moxley, has a great match. Moxley retains. Wardlow remains TNT champion, but it just shows like, man, you know, he, tried, he, he got up there and he hung with the big boys. Mm-hmm. And you don't devalue the belt because he's still a badass to hold that belt. Yeah. But he's not there. He's not quite there at that level. The other belt. You see mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's a good, it's an appetizer and it's a good way to let people be like, Oh, let's see how he does. I'm almost, yeah, I'm right there with you. Or even they can throw in a stipulation that if you defend your belt, like say he defends the TNT title five times, he has to defend it five times and then he gets the title shot again. Yep. Like, I'm fine with that. Just get, let us have a story to where that title is, again, the stepping stone towards the, the main title, where there would yep. be the AEW title. I mean, if ROH wants to do the same thing once they get established with a pure championship, let that be the the stepping stone into you being the ROH champion, or at least, you know, being contender for the ROH championship. And I think when ROH is fully established, that little battle of the belts event that they have should be ROH versus Ring of Honor. Oh. I mean, um, Ring of Honor versus mm-hmm. AEW. Yeah, I get what you mean completely. And I'm hoping that they'll get that deal pretty soon because, you know, I know, I know, HBO just got bought by Discovery and Discovery's trying to still figure some things out. So I really do hope that they can get that deal to where we can kind of see some of this roster, at least, you know, at least half the roster go to ROH and maybe like diversify a little bit, get back to what we what we loved about in AEW 1.0. Yep, I agree. And I think we also we also don't lead don't need to lean on broadcast television. Mm -hmm. Streaming should definitely be an option and it should be weekly streaming series because then you're not you're not um pigeonholed by ratings or overruns or you know language or subject matter like you could tell real gritty stories if you wanted to i think that was one of the great things that made lucha underground so compelling i agree and it was the fact that lucha and lucha underground you know when it came to netflix you can consume the whole thing you didn't have to wait week to week or you could you know go through um what was it um i think it was it was a true tv or telemundo or uh well it was originally el ray el ray yeah Yeah. and then they did it episodic and then it went to netflix and then it went to uh was it pluto tv or one well yeah it was pluto tv yeah but you know, you had the option of waiting until the whole season was out and then just watching that season on Netflix. I think that was such a dope idea and original yep. for pro wrestling. I think so. I agree. So before you go, one last question for you. What are your most anticipated projects going on as far as like TV shows and movies? Um, or comic I, books? 
I'm looking like I like I was saying before, uh, Secret Wars on the big screen side. Mm-hmm. Um, TV wise, um, really digging what they're doing with the boys on the on the small screen. So I want to see where that story goes. There's a lot of great storytelling there. Um, how, how do you feel about Homelander, um, Anthony Starr being Dracula in, in Blade? I think it's good, but I also feel that Anthony Starr has built himself such an impressive resume mm-hmm. um, that Dracula, like if you're going to go with Dracula, you can't just kill off the, like that's the problem. With, that's the Marvel problem, kill off the villains. Mm-hmm. Like you can defeat them and be done with it. Like that's kind of what I like that the boys did with Soldier Boy. Soldier mm-hmm. Boy was defeated. He wasn't killed. Mm-mm. Just put away for later. And I, like I think that. That that's what Marvel and DC need to do sometimes. You don't need to kill off every villain. You don't need to kill them off. You could you could put them away for later. Defeated for now. Always out there. Like the Kingpin. You can't kill the Kingpin. No. He's important. No. Can't kill him. You need him. So and I have, I have a feeling they're about to do Devil's Reign um storyline with Kingpin. So I think I, so. I you know, in terms of in terms of small screen, obviously the boys, um, but on the Marvel side of things, definitely looking forward to seeing what they do with um with Daredevil, because mm-hmm. I think that I'm curious to see what Marvel does now that they have the character in their in their skill set and whether they're gonna lean into that gritty storytelling or they're gonna try and and glam it up a bit for for Disney Plus. This goes back to what I was saying before. Like you need that that dark imprint on Disney Plus. That way you could just categorize everything there and people could just rock and roll. Do you think 18 episodes is gonna be too much for Daredevil? I don't, I don't think so because I think that Marvel Disney Disney's problem has been six episodes, four of them are filler, mm-hmm. five is the one that sets people crazy, six is the sprint to the finish. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. That shit gets tiresome. Yeah, look I'm at right there with you. Boba Fett, you know, it's like mm-hmm. great, 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 Mando. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like okay, okay, okay. Flashback, flashback, flashback. Oh, weird cyberpunk bike gang, Mando. <laughs> the end. Yeah, that's like what the hell just happened. So, just give us a little more. Give us another episode at least. Okay. Make it seven or eight. Yeah, man, I, I think I think they should. It should be at least ten. Uh, most properties should be ten episodes. I'm down with that. Ten is a ten is a good number. Five episodes of world building, you know, five episodes of conflict and resolution. I'm down for that. Because look so, what happened with Moon Knight. Moon Knight was so good, but sprint to the finish. Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't nail the landing because they kind of sprinted a little bit, especially with a battle between the the gods at the end. It felt weird. It felt like it oh, belonged could, in another show. That's a that's a good one. That's a good one that you brought up because that's one of those things that you could reference in other shows like titans clash in egypt and it's like the blur the paper's blurred mm-hmm. but you see that and then you're not again you don't have to necessarily be like pointing out every single thing that happens but just callbacks yeah give us references you know? exactly like like that's why i said like like you could go back to to deadpool and him being like man you know so much crazy stuff i would use deadpool the same way you use the guy in ant-man when he tells the story and he oh does yeah louise yeah, I would use I would use Deadpool like like man, I've seen some crazy stuff, and you could just start the movie like that. I've seen some crazy stuff, some purple guy with some stones, and everybody disappeared. Hell, I disappeared, and then I was back, and here I am <laughs> eating this chimichanga, and there's a dude swinging through the city. Hey, Spider Man, you know, you just you do funny things like that, and people would just be like, "Holy shit, has he been here the whole time?" That would be funny. You know, it'd be a funny twist though if like um, Louise ended up being the Watcher and in the I MCU. I think that'd be a great idea. Louise yeah. should be the Watcher. Yeah. Nobody cares what color he is. No, for sure not. And then he gets to like tell his stories or tell the stories he's seen in that mm-hmm. weird and that funny convoluted way he always does yep. it. That'd be perfect. Absolutely perfect. You know what would be a good idea? Like when Stanley was talking to the Watchers in that one after credit. Mm-hmm do another after credit for one of the newer movies and it's Luis sitting there and he's telling it his way and the other watchers they're just shaking their head and they walk away and they're like <laughs> and it's just them going why did we bring him back that and would be so something fun. subtle that people could just laugh at that'd be so fun and i mean if they wanted to do like a six episode mini series of just how Louise became a watcher everyone would watch it just because they knew what kind of comedy they were in for. exactly yeah. and again 
there's there's a new a new character mm-hmm. not dependent on existing ideologies mm-hmm. you can have fun with for sure for sure so before we go where can the people find you um you can visit us at rageworks.net for your one-stop shop for reviews previews toy reviews all of that stuff and then you can visit our our podcast arm which is the rageworks podcast network it's your one-stop shop for rants about gaming entertainment and the works that's what rageworks means definitely check them out everyone thank you so much richard for being on the podcast today i'd love to have you back i love talking all this nerdy goodness with you thanks again for being on the show i appreciate you brother thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to share my stories with your audience (laughs) well we'll talk to you very soon and see you later richard all right brother ladies and gentlemen that's it for today's show i want to take a moment to thank richard butler once again for joining us today he's a really good guy he's putting out some really dope content and he's all around a dope nerd so definitely go check out his content just a reminder you can get the show later on the pro nerd report youtube channel as well as all your favorite podcast platforms if you liked what you heard please leave a dope review and subscribe it really helps the channel grow and really helps the platform as a whole the Pro Nerd Report releases every single week and brings you the dopest guests and topics in the nerd community. This is your host, Sebastian. I can be found at Sebastian23 on all social media platforms. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace.